1: Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. I'm Joey Christopoulos, and before our Movie Pod series coming up episode, we're going to talk about our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Look, football, it is rocking and rolling right now. That's why BetOnline remains your number one source for all the betting needs all season long. they got the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. They have free contests, live betting, live scores, giveaways all season long. So what are you waiting for? Head to BetOnline.ag and join. Receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Great times for the holidays. Make sure you use promo code BLEAV to receive that reward that align where the game starts ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for coming to the pod we are back ladies and gentlemen the movie pod series is back with a very 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 special 1990 holiday themed film but first this guy coming up right now look this guy's forgotten his kids names more than half the time and he's a guy who well god Let's just hope they don't write a book about him. And even if he has to sell his soul to the devil himself, he is going to do this pod. He is a man who knows a thing or two about eating junk and watching rubbish. It's Jeff Meacham. What's up, Jeff?
2: Hey, guys. Hey, man. I was just playing some polka in Sheboygan. So uh, don't mind me. I'll be here soon.
1: That's so funny because this next guest coming up there is a rumor going around that he got nailed in the second grade for wearing dinosaur pajamas. Some people <laughs> call him snakes, but today he is here for his 10% and you know what? He is huge in Sheboygan. It's Joel Johnstone. What's up, buddy?
3: The oh, kickers.
1: Kenosha kickers baby and this final guest coming up our resident another resident guest of ours he's never tried those tv dinners but you know what he's thinking about giving him a whirl he's never he would never let you into his own room if you were even growing on his own ass but he'll never give up and he's always thirsty for more it's dan sanders joyce what's up dan
0: there's a lot of rumors going around about me but none of them are true you can say hi to me next time you live next door
3: But he does have a trash can full of salt for no good reason in the corner of his apartment. And he may
2: or may not have murdered. He may or may not have murdered.
1: Well, he gets fresh fish, and he just kind of throws it in there to just keep him, keep him cold. That's right. We're talking about the 1990 film Home Alone, a movie that goes $476.7 million, long long-reigned it as one of the greatest comedies box office-wise of all time. It came out November 16th, 1990, written by John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus, the score by John Williams, starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Catherine O'Hara, Daniel Stern, Daniel Roebuck. Oops, not Daniel Roebuck. Um, John, you heard me. John Candy. Kieran Culkin, Roberts Blossom, Larry Hankin, movies that came out in November in 1990. Let's take a look. November 9th, Child's Play 2, Rocky 5. The same night, November 16th, as uh, as Home Alone, Rescuers Down Under. Also November 16th, Predator 2. November 20th, Three Men and a Little Lady. November 21st, Dances with Wolves. November 21st, and Misery. November 30th. So let's open it up right here. Joel, you're you're the John Hughes expertise expert here on this pod um start wherever you want you know what does this movie mean to you does it still resonate the same way it did as a kid you were just watching it with your child recently and what is that experience like
3: i mean i'm going to take ferris bueller off the table because that one's always most near and dear to my heart um but this is probably the number two john hughes movies that uh, that touched my childhood that 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 was this was i i mean probably the hardest i've ever laughed in a movie theater as a child when i saw it whenever it came on what date did you say so it was probably thanksgiving
1: yeah november 16th 1990 so yeah.
3: just so before the holiday season so you're
2: what 12 you're 12 at this point Joel, right
3: well i remember sitting in the theater with with my cousin michael and we i don't know that i've ever laughed harder as as a child in a movie theater we just at the at the mutilation scene obviously at the end um which i want to get through it, you know we, it was hilarious as a 12 year old and then when you watch it with your son and you realize just how sadistic all that shit really is, but it's still funny. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, it stuck with me. And then this is what I love about this movie. And then you forget about it. You're like, Oh, that's a kid's movie, whatever you get through college, whatever. Once you become a parent, you show your child and they love it. The things that are making them laugh are not the things making make you laugh anymore. John Candy, Catherine O'Hara, some of the other shit in this movie that wasn't funny at all to me as a child is, as funny to me as anything else but john candy monologue in the back of that u-haul at the end of the movie it doesn't get better
1: that's so that's such a great point because it's so accessible right you grow up loving the kid's style of it and the creative version of violence but as you grow up to an adult you you appreciate the adult performances just as much that's such an interesting point dan hop in
0: i was just gonna say that my favorite part of that monologue i mean the funeral home bit is incredible but then Katie O'Hara tries to get out of the conversation, and John Candy just goes, "Well, you brought it up. I was just
3: trying yeah. to." Help. <laughs> I, mean, I was gonna look this up. There's a rumor, but I kind of don't want to know the truth. I just want to believe what I want to believe. There's a rumor, so let's just say the internet says uh, that John Candy improv'd that whole thing. I, I don't doubt that.
1: Well, yeah, and they, there's a lot of there's a lot of history between him and Catherine O'Hara in the improv scene. They had worked together previously. Catherine O'Hara, I feel like almost kind of like looks off maybe to the side and maybe kind of like like collect herself because he's like going for it yeah. and stay in yeah. it, you know what I mean, a little ah. bit. So I kind of buy it. Jeff, hop in on this, man. Uh, home Alone to you then, Home Alone to you now.
2: Well, you know, the big thing with me, and, and all you guys know this at this Jeff, point. I
3: was, jump, I was hoping Jeff was going to jump in and go, haven't seen it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> guys, I'm not going to lie. I forgot to watch it, and I thought this was Uncle Buck. So I am prepared with Uncle Buck. Great. When he flips the pancake with the, the giant shovel. Gosh, that's funny. Um, I, You know, the comedies of the 80s and especially John Hughes films, I was not very much. I wasn't into them the same way because I missed the comedies because I was too young. And by the time I started watching movies again by, let's say, 1990, I was already full in on the action films. So I have seen Predator 2 way more than I've seen Home Alone. <laughs> like, when you mentioned that, that's the one I got most excited for.
3: You went I mean, to see that Christmas Eve.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm sure my dad and I went to go years see it.
3: 12 years old, Predator 2. Let's go. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. I can tell you I rode my bike. Oh, I bet you any money I snuck into Predator 2 by going to see Home Alone. I bet you any money. That's because remember, those were the days when that's what you did. You bought a yep. ticket for the PG movie and then you walked into the R-rated. Bet you any money. That's what I did.
3: Rocky 5 was the double feature that
2: night. Oh, boy. Is Rocky 5 one of the worst films ever?
3: <laughs> so for me, this is this is
1: a movie that is so this is as Christmas traditional kind of as it gets. I mean, we all have our Christmas movies. That may be either our family or you guys still play, you know, you guys watch with your kids now. For me, Home Alone in the morning is making scrambled eggs and bacon. For Jeff, it's Predator 2 after everyone's (laughs) opened up their presents. Let's figure out that the alien alien and the predator are actually interconnected somehow. What's better over Christmas
2: than a dystopian Los Angeles, you know? I mean, come on. (laughs) By the way, you just said you said this is so here's my problem with the 80s films. Always. You're saying this is your Christmas movie. The opening sequence of this movie is child abuse. This it's child abuse every single thing that is said to that boy is awful his uncle calls him a little jerk like his brother is torturing him uh, child services could easily be called on this entire family
3: look what he does, what he does to daniel stern and joe pesci i mean i mean that's if that's not a young jeffrey dahmer i don't know who is wait but wait if we're if we're talking about suspending
0: disbelief like the the end is just his dad comes in, is like, oh, hey, I love you, kiddo. You okay? <laughs> yes. and out that he went shopping, which everybody freaks out about. Yes. And the dad goes, what a funny little guy.
2: <laughs> not a single sibling hugs him. Not a single sibling. Well, he has seven siblings, not one. Buzz. He gets the 21st century version of The Rock
1: from, from Buzz, though, of, like, way to not burn the house down is some sort of weird, like, <laughs> mea culpa, if you will. But this is such a funny thing. You're This is like, so you're saying Macaulay Culkin. Let's get on Macaulay Culkin right now. So you're basically saying that his character is basically uh, Jack Nicholson in The Departed, where he's not a product of the environment. He wants the environment to become a product of him.
2: Oh, wait. No. No. He is 100% a product of his environment. This is the sweetest, kindest little child on the planet. He has a face of an angel. He just wants his mother to love him. His family abuses him verbally through the entire thing. They call him an idiot, a jerk. They are completely awful to him. There's not a single person nice to him. The only person that shows any kindness to him is his cousin that's going to urinate on him in France. Like, everybody is awful to him. Product of his environment. He gets sent to the attic and has to sleep there for the rest of the night.
1: I don't want to pose the question, is is Macaulay Culkin the greatest child actor that we've ever seen? Because I was trying to rip through it. you got, like, Jodie Foster. You've got the Elijah Woods of the world. you got a Kirsten Dunst. You have a Shirley Temple, right? There's a lot of really, really great choices. Gary yeah. Coleman even Radd- uh, six cents six cents kid joel, right, but,
0: yeah joel uh but joel.
1: Ma- macaulay culkin outside of maybe shirley temple macaulay culkin's the biggest movie star child actor that we've oh, ever had right is there anyone else
2: i would say the best is probably and of course i'm forgetting her name right now who's the little who's the little girl from um war of the worlds and from man on fire
1: oh a dakota fanning
2: dakota fanning's probably the best child actor ever but you're right he's more famous this movie's way more famous than uh, what natalie she did
0: Port- natalie portman was pretty famous by the time she did professional
2: yeah but she was like 13 at that point And that movie you can never show to your children until they're grown up like <laughs> ever but what, what am i talking about it's not like you show man on fire and war of the worlds either yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyway back to okay. christmas
1: yeah, yeah. But but Joel, weigh in on this here. Macaulay Culkin, the movie star, though. I mean, we've never seen anything like it since. No, because and I'm trying to think if we ever saw something before.
3: No, no, and then and then he followed it up with like the one of the top five grossing music videos of all time, Michael Jackson's Black and White. Um, he was I mean, he was he was right. let's not let's not forget that there was Home
0: Alone 2, which was also a pretty huge big hit. Big right? Hit.
3: Yeah. Hit this was thirty years ago. It grossed half a billion dollars. Wow. Think about inflation for a second? What what is that? I mean, we're well past a billion. A a, a kids movie grossing a billion dollars?
2: A low budget kids movie. I
0: mean. Yeah, mainly takes place in the house with like, you know, breaking ornaments.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And it
1: was also one of those things where they they ran it almost like through the summer. Like it stayed in theaters, you know what I mean, well into the next year, which helped to get to that number. But again, staying power was a big test of a great movie back in the 90s. And yep. it, it had it had it all. It had the whole thing.
3: Yeah, this 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 was a blockbuster delight.
0: Here's what it, I'll say was... about Macaulay Culkin. I think he's probably the greatest child screaming actor. Uh, there's some great screams in this movie. He's got like nine or ten of them throughout the whole thing. They're great. Daniel Stern has maybe the best scream in this movie, though. <clears throat>
2: oh, Daniel Stern's scream when he, the spiders put on his face is almost impossible. I don't know how he hits that note, and he does it twice.
1: the nail the nail and the tarantula
2: yeah the nail the nail's a normal scream it's a chest scream but when the spider's put on his face he goes into a falsetto that is dan is 100 percent right that is the greatest scream ever
3: it's one of the few moments of the movie that makes me laugh just as hard now as it did when i was 12 yes absolutely. absolutely
1: and and let's move over to let's move over to daniel stern versus joe pesci right i mean there's two there's two things that are kind of on my mind. One, this is a little bit we're, we're amongst we're amongst thespians here. So I do want to know which one would you probably prefer to play today? But in terms of who wins the movie, Daniel Stern or Joe Pesci, just in terms of performance laughs, um, you know, just because for me, I think it might be Daniel Stern. Jeff, hop in.
2: And well no I'm with you on that I want to pick daniel stern now as an adult right that I've watching the movie and watching his subtlety he doesn't he I don't think he really i mean Dan's a better uh acting teacher than I am Joel by far but the so these guys will be able to answer that more but I think his performance of not like being a caricature is like he's real he's he's so real I wrote down my favorite line I love it when a character can be a hundred percent established with one word or something so simple when when uh uh, Joe Pesci's character says uh, when he's naming all the goods at the McAllister house when he's like there's stereos VCRs and Marv just goes toys (laughs) <laughs> like that's the thing—he's <laughs> like he's excited about it. But Joe Pesci, don't forget, you guys was a massive star, or becoming a massive star at this point. He had just come off *Lethal Weapon* two, which we all love that character. This is the same year he got nominated and won an Oscar for *Goodfellas*. 1990s is the same exact year. That's a crazy year for an actor. But you're right; I picked Daniel Stern. He guys-
3: followed up with *Casino* in just a few years after this.
2: Yeah, five years after. Yeah.
3: I, I mean, what a what a. I mean, he's he's one of my favorite actors. I don't don't even want to say a run because I feel like he's still on that run. But he's 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 one of the greatest character actors of all time. Um,
2: So, Joel, why do you think he does this? Like they offered. Yeah, why does he do this? Why Why does he do this movie? Because he's got lethal weapon too. He's already got that character kind of in the bag. It's crazy that he shows this movie. I don't have an answer for that. Do you guys know? I really don't.
1: No, I just, it's so, it's, it's such an interesting turn. And I mean, you see him, you know, he goes, like he does gone fishing and eight heads in a duffel bag in the nineties. Obviously my cousin Vinny's right around this area. So there's something about him. I mean, Dan, Dan, I mean, hop in on this. Is this just, is this the versatility? Is this the full palette of an actor that's interested in doing all different kinds of things and not?
0: I'm sure like, I, I know John Hughes didn't direct it, but I'm sure like working with John Hughes was maybe a, a, a pull. I, I don't know. I like, but John Hughes didn't even direct it. He he, he just oh, wrote yeah, it. I, yeah, he just wrote it. But I'm sure he was around. He produced it, too, right? He was an EP mm-hmm. on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was definitely around. Also, yeah. let's not forget the director, too. I know we're jumping all over the place. But Chris Columbus, who also wrote the other half of the best movies of the 80s and directed the first two Harry Potters. This guy's a juggernaut, too. It's yeah, crazy for sure. power. For sure.
0: I, and, I, you know, I think, look, I, I think that it was, it probably read really fun off the script. Like, that 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 sequence at the end the fucking booby trap sequence at the end is farcical and fun and if i read that and i was like do you want to do this i would be like this is going to take me two weeks to shoot and you're going to pay me how much money yeah yeah let's go have some fun (laughs) you know what i mean well well, it's
3: going to sound like i'm like i'm like i'm trashing this movie and i'm not i it's just as a parent now i watch this the, the booby trap scene let's just talk about it let's say let's say dan jeff joey i walk in your office you guys are sales. You guys are salespeople. Okay, I'm gonna pitch you a movie. All right, here you go. The new Saw franchise. Okay, a child, <laughs> crazy, maniacal, psychotic child walks in, and with a BB gun, he shoots a man point blank range in the noggin, and another one in the nuts. Then another man, he burns the flesh of his palm with an electric coal starter. He drops a red hot iron 20 feet onto a man's face. Then he sinks the skin with a blowtorch to- off another man's scalp, covers it with silicone, and then throws feathers on of it. Then he drives a tar-covered nail through another man's foot. He hits one man in the face with a full can of paint and follows it up with another full can of paint into the same man's face. And then another man... Concusses both men With the back end of a metal snow shovel
2: Wait, wait, wait You did just Child skip looks over in another the camera. one You skipped over a few
3: you Yeah,
2: you did Don't forget they cut them off of a high wire That they are hanging from That's easily above the set. That's the, from the second story And they fall into a brick wall At a pendulum swinging speed <laughs> Yep, 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 yep Ornaments, <laughs> guys, feathers
3: the ornaments i left out the 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 uh the oh the frozen stairwell cuz i'm going to say that's on them that's on them for not looking that's on them
1: well uh, fool me once that's a fool me once right there <laughs> you know there's the bush there's the bushes you could just one go the through best, the
0: bushes one of the psych right. gags, gags in this is after stern steps on the nail and goes back outside they close the door and you just all of a sudden see daniel stern hit the ground again because he falls off the
3: ice. <laughs> it is a great callback it's a great callback <laughs> call he, just, he just ravages the door just shredding it and then he tries the doorknob.
1: <laughs> yeah it's the it's the first it's one of the early versions of time is a flat circle so yeah, a couple of things real quick about Pesci. So the fun part about Pesci was that he was coming. You're right, Joel. He was coming off of Goodfellas. And he was having a hard time. They shot for a couple of days. And the dude couldn't get a clean take during those moments because he kept cursing. And so Chris Columbus then goes to Joe Pesci and says, Why don't you you know try and why don't you use it and try and restrain yourself and try and make up fake words? That's where you get frickin' frackin' frizzle, frazzle, frizzle, which actually becomes a really a really kind of interesting bit, like as you move along. And the story with Chris Columbus goes, per the internet, was that him and John Hughes, yeah, him and John Hughes were talking about doing something together, and he was going to direct Christmas Vacation. Right. And after five days with Chevy Chase, Chris Columbus, who never thought he'd ever direct a film again because, you know, he had written Goonies, but his film directing career was kind of in the chitter, he walked away from Christmas Vacation. He says, I. I can't work with Chevy Chase. I simply can't. And he called John and he said, you know, can you just, I'll do anything else. I cannot do this movie. And so this was kind of this, uh, it was a situation of convenience where he goes, Hey, I've got this script. I kind of wrote it based off of the scene with Macaulay Culkin and uncle Buck, when he's talking to the guy through the, through the door thing. And, you know, I've had this fear of burglars and all my whole life. And that's. He's like, all right, yeah, I'll do Home Alone. It was this weird matter of convenience. Like, what a stroke of genius, right? Like, look, I like Christmas vacation. It's got its moments. We can, you know, litigate that at a different time. But Home Alone, I mean, it's a far superior Christmas film. And it's just so funny how that stuff works out, right? I mean, it just doesn't,
2: you you just can't,
1: you can't seem to make it up sometimes
2: no and i don't want to watch like i i will be the first to say this i never thought i used when i was a kid i wouldn't speak this way i used to defend anybody who was kind of a bad person because i just love the movies i'm like yeah but i love their movies but i'll i I don't know if i'll ever show my kids christmas vacation after learning what a dick he was you know and then this movie is just magical i mean we didn't even end this before when you finished this question about macaulay Culkin. i do think he was the best i mean there is no better performance for a child not not performance but fame in terms of what a movie did for someone and how brilliant he is in this movie. It's, this movie is magical, man. I wanted to kind of sum up that ending for you. Yeah, he is. He's the one. He's it over Haley but Joel Osment. You know? it's, a,
1: it's a great point. It's, it's just, there's a charisma. It's like a Will Smith charisma that he's not the greatest actor, but you will watch him do anything. And that's yeah. the thing, Dan. Hop in. He's the
0: chosen one.
2: Did I
1: say that?
0: Wasn't that, wasn't that another Macaulay? Uh, he was
1: in the, he was in the good son. The, the good? good son. God damn it. yeah, yeah. And the then he was son. in Richie Rich and uh, yeah, uh, Home Alone two. And then his parents drained his bank account. And then he went to court for many years and and fell into drug addiction. But I digress.
3: I just want to wrap up the Joe Pesci thing. As we were doing research for this, I you know when you, you hear his name Harry Marv, Harry Marv, you never really think about people's last name. And I'm sure they snuck it in there somewhere, and I didn't hear it. Um, but as an adult, I wasn't really into 40s film noir when I was 12. Um, but now that I've I've seen the movie, know the movie. His name is Harry Lyme, which is obviously a throwback to Orson Welles' character in The Third Man.
1: Oh,
2: that's interesting. I didn't that's know that cool. at all. No. no. Yeah. And, and and you were right, Dan, by the way. It, it is. I, he probably did choose it because he saw that he got to do The Three Stooges. Like, who wouldn't want to do the fart? You know, everybody wants uh, uh, uh What's that Ryan Gosling movie with um, Russell Crowe? What's that? The tough, the, the, the guys. Nice the guys. Stuff, the yeah, nice guys. guys. Like I'm sure Ryan Gosling chose that movie because he was like, I get to do the farce, I get to be oh, the callback to silent film era, and
3: it's all physical comedy.
2: Yeah, yeah. What that that movie Mousetrap, with Nathan Lane and that other guy? That's one of my favorites. Like this, they, they you get to do that once in your career. Maybe he was like, yeah, let's do it, man. I get to have fun for two weeks, exactly. like Dan said.
1: Yeah, and that's what's so interesting about this movie is we're talking about, you know, why would Joe Pesci want to do a broad comedy, and then you start to say. If you collect this cast, if you get Christopher Columbus to direct and it's a John Hughes written film, and then you get people to play these types of roles and elevate it in a certain way. I think that's what helps get it to a classic. And Jeff, if you want to go first on this one, I want to yeah. talk about Catherine O'Hara just a little bit because not only is she incredible, but this is at a point where I feel like the general public probably doesn't know who Catherine Harris is, you know, and goes on to have a 30 year career. And, you know, I just want to talk about her performance because she really takes it to a place. I mean, she is the driving force of this movie. She is the engine. And then on top of that, we want to talk about Kevin's, you know, uh, scream or whatever is the catchphrase. She has the catchphrase of the movie, right? She has the thing that we all know. Yeah, we all know near and dear to our hearts. So we got to give Catherine O'Hara a little bit of shine here and just talk about her for a second because, you know, it, it really is kind of her journey that with this broad comedy kind of going on around it.
2: You have to give uh, so she came off a Beetlejuice, they said. So that's the right. I I think that's the only major thing she had before this. Is that right?
3: That predated. Oh, wow. That's an eighties film. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that's somewhere in there. Yeah, man, you're totally right. Like I listen, just like Joel said, I watched this movie. I just watched it this morning. And I'm watching this through a you know, a parent of two children. And the I, I, I kept going back and forth between like the give and the take, between like it's just a movie, it's kind of brilliant, like all the decisions that they made to make sure that the um to 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 make sure that the that that we would believe this as an audience that this is humanly possible. How brilliant is that little kid? By the way, that they accidentally count him—the kid that's going up to the cab driver when he's like, "How much mileage does this get?" That kid's great. That they think is Kevin Joel. Yeah,
3: that kid. How yeah. much miles does this get? How far is it to O'Hare Airport? Did you buy this car?
2: <laughs> he's mad. Isn't man. it four
3: wheel drive? <laughs>
2: Uh, uh, Catherine O'Hara doing such a good job being completely broken on the airplane as she's completely uh, uh, in shock. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly like so she yeah, man, she's magical in this movie. And she's, of course, the I guess the one of the better the best perform like she is the one that has to be being as real as possible. To believe that this is even humanly possible I, I don't know the great moment at the counter that she has where the the guy just will not give her another flight i have the hardest time believing the whole flight stuff that's one of my biggest the, uh, uh listen listen i love the Catherine o'hara stuff i really do my favorite moment let me just jump right to it is when the old lady when she's literally trying to sell her life oh, to the old lady ones yeah that's the <laughs> dangly one. Full of dangly ones too I mean, it's true robbery. This woman's child is alone at home, which they always conveniently forget to mention that it's an eight-year-old child. Every single time she says, my child was left alone, and people are like, eh, we got to just talk about that. That could be a whole podcast of how many people just don't seem to give a fuck that an eight-year-old is home alone.
3: Cop, the cop with the donut hanging on the phone. He's like, yeah.
2: <laughs> Hi- Hyper online too.
1: <laughs> is that there is an internet rumor that everyone goes, and they live in this beautiful house. They have all these kids. What the hell does John Heard do for a living? Yeah, right. Right. Well, the theory is the internet theory is that it's actually Catherine O'Hara's money. If you go into the basement, there are mannequins and sewing machines and all sorts of stuff in the basement. And they think because of also the way that she's dressed aesthetically that she is a fashion designer in Chicago. You
0: know and what? it's actually I mean,
1: her money and not John Heard's money.
0: Who pays? Who pays the the pizza guy uh, out of cash out of her out of her purse?
1: Ten pizzas times twelve bucks. We're, we'll yeah. get that to we'll get to that in winners in a second. But and, John heard real quick, yeah.
0: And she gives she gives a good tip apparently.
2: Plus tip. Yep. One hundred
0: twenty plus tip, and the, and the pizza guy goes, "Hey, nice tip, thanks." Yeah, one hundred twenty. Yeah. She gives one forty.
1: Yes, totally. Great call, Joel. That's what I think in my head.
0: Liz, uh, uh, John. Uh, you know, John heard John Hurd is kind of inconsequential in this movie. Uh, I mean, he's he's there for a reason and a purpose, obviously, but like. I'd rather shine some light on Katie O'Hara still, because I like what Jeff said, brought an empathy and an ethos to the performance that like doesn't really exist in the in the movie. It's a little bit of a zanier movie. And she she grounds this zaniness in, in such a beautiful I mean, she, you know, she she chokes it up a little bit at the at the end. Um, But it's
2: never but never once in the movie does anybody truly do what is reality, which this is what makes the movie amazing is it's so heightened because nobody actually freaks the fuck out. Nobody actually rips their face apart that they're in a foreign land while their child, their brother in eight year old is by himself and when she walks in the door she doesn't go and run in and find her child with every fiber of her being no she notices the yes exactly she sees the beautiful christmas tree and the hanging stockings and then she smiles at him when his back is turned nobody freaks out kind of gently just calls kevin kevin i would i I would be
3: terrorizing the neighborhood
0: (laughs) what i do want to know real quick though is like is Kevin McAllister, does he have a cleaning service? Because that house was spotless after he ruined it with those no, two. No, that's all him. That's think, all him, man. Does he have, no, I know, does he have a cleaning service business? Like, is he willing to come to my apartment and clean <laughs> my place?
3: I Preferably. think the Old Man Marley uh, uh, helped him and is some sort of magician. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on a as long as we're shining the shoes of actors we adore i didn't as a kid obviously that you know pay any attention to this but as uh, uh, a a 40 something a man uh, who's been doing this for uh, a long time roberts blossom exactly. and Old man marley holy shit, that guy grounds this entire movie with that monologue in the church about him and his son and it makes it it makes everybody else do who's doing their wacky, zany, crazy stuff, they can go even bigger because he sets the tone. He sets the depth of this movie. And without that, it's not as good of a movie, I promise you. You take that one scene out of the movie, it's not nearly as good. And that's why oh. I think it's so much better than, than the
2: second joel are you talking about the midnight mass that's in one of the most beautiful churches filled with 38 children singing their faces off and there's maybe seven people in the audience
0: remember remember that he couldn't go to midnight mass he couldn't go at night because it's, he wasn't welcome he was at a
2: rehearsal
3: and it's it when kevin leaves it's eight o'clock the, 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 the bells hit eight so he gets there for the seven o'clock rehearsal
2: my mistake um, Guys, we
1: got to go to our final section here. we got to go to the winners and losers of Home Alone. This is going to encompass all the things that we love and that we didn't like, or the things that we were rooting for and we didn't root for in the movie Home Alone. And this one, I just got to start off with it, guys. You're leaving your house, and the plane takes off in 45 minutes.
2: Winners. <laughs> loser. Winner, loser. Loser. Every time. What the fuck is that about? um I, international flight
0: yeah that's great that's crazy that part's insane um like how much how much money are we shelling out at the curbside fucking ticketing because remember how you could do curbside ticketing uh back in the day yeah Let's
3: forget how loosey-goosey
2: TSA was in the 90s. Well, yeah, but Joey, Dan, you two are both the Chicago guys. Do you know what neighborhood they were in, and can they get to O'Hare in, fo- in less than 45? There where Joey's from. They're where
3: Joey's so, yeah, from.
1: Yeah, I, I grew up about three miles uh, west of that neighborhood, so that church and that house was something that we could drive past on our bikes or during the holidays, whenever we want. I've been in that church. I've been to mass at that church, and I'll tell you something right now. <laughs>
0: You're not getting
1: you no get, O'Hare. you could get on you could get on a rocket ship and not sure you could uh get through the 294 or the 9094 and get to O'Hare in time, uh, from where exactly that is. Uh taking off in 45 minutes. I mean, I just kind of put it on there as just like a kind of a huge a huge winner. Um, alongside with like kids kicking the shit out of adults, great time for that. Spawned a lot of great movies, like three ninjas, so on and so forth. We mentioned ten pizzas times twelve bucks. Uh, i got a bunch here but i'm gonna stop at michael jordan growth chart also a big winner for me too as well uh dan you know give me a winner let's start with the winners of home alone
0: uh well definitely the woman that gave her her ticket to katie o'hara and got Got the first class tickets 500 bucks the ring the earrings um and the desperate plea uh winners uh 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 well i got a lot of losers but that the, the lady's a big winner i got a, i got a few losers though
1: joel give me joel give me a winner who's a big winner of home alone
3: i'm gonna say joe pesci joe harry, harry lime really even though even though he's doing 10 to 12 in, at the fed pen after this he learned <laughs> something about himself learned that, something about himself <laughs> he got a lot of inner, inner reflection about you know his 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 relationship. <laughs>
2: I'd say it's more ten to twenty. I mean, they found. Don't forget the Wet Bandits left their signature. They've been looking for them for a while. They're not only robbing, but they're destroying the homes. So they're they're doing a pretty penny. They might be they might be doing a quarter. You know what yeah, I'm saying? It
3: identifies their their previous scribes when they're getting in the the, the, the back of the squad car. They're, don't forget with it with the Wet Bandits. Shut up, man! <laughs> He's kicking him.
2: Silver tuna. That's the word I'll take from this movie. Silver, Silver tuna. tuna.
1: Uh, I'm gonna throw a couple more winners out here um i I threw out upstairs attics uh i threw out 90 sweaters i threw out polka music i threw out uh the clips that you put on your gloves and then you clip your your gloves to your jacket so you don't have to wear your gloves but they can still dangle freely i don't have kids i don't know if they still exist i gotta hope that they do um the south south bend shovel slayers had a really great run um (laughs) one of the one of the random cousins in the beginning of the movie who says that maybe marley is just a nice guy we could have just settled that all. Just maybe in the beginning, if we just maybe believed that for half a second. Um, eating junk, eating uh, eating junk and watching rubbish—that's a huge one. Um, John Hurd's brother lives in New York, also lives in Paris. Shout out to that guy. What the fuck does he do for a life? Um, milk, milk is huge, especially in the end of the movie. What the hell
2: are we gonna eat? We don't have any milk, says Calthorpe O'Hara. <laughs> in the be- in the beginning of the movie, they have to get rid of the milk. You guys drink milk. Because yeah. I want to get rid of it. So she. Remember, it.
0: They spill all that milk when uh, in the in the scene all over the pizza and the tickets and and passports that he's got to put in the microwave to heat up to dry.
1: Got to get rid of that milk. Drink that milk. And then the other one I want you guys to weigh on real quick is uh, one of two things. One big winner. When you were a kid, did you then fantasize about what you would do to a burglar if they ever broke into your house, and what kind of booby traps that you would make, or? Did you ever fantasize about tricking someone with movie quotes with the, with the audio of a movie Did oh. that ever happen? Cause I did. Well, I thought both.
0: So, so this is jumping to home alone too, but I had one of those like m- recorder things. I got one of those like recorder things that you could lay around and you could like, it had a remote that you could play from a distance and shit like
3: that. So yeah, I was all about tricking people with, uh, with, with recorded voices. I, I still have micro machines laid out next to my window.
2: <laughs> the, the don't, worry, don't worry
1: daddy doesn't need simply safe. <laughs> <laughs> daddy's daddy's going to put the micro machines out. <laughs> <laughs> um
3: I I also we brought it up before but but it's just such a winner in this movie uh, uh, John Candy Gus Polinski is is mm. If you folks if you haven't seen this movie in 10 20 years just do yourself a favor. He is—he is worth the price of admission. He's—he's he's all he was cracked up to be. He—he was—he was a living legend in his own time. He—he was—he was. Oh my god.
2: Yeah, but you don't send him to this movie, do you? Because I send him to the Great Outdoors. Is—is is, what Buck. what you guys do? You do Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck? I send
3: him to Uncle Buck.
2: Yeah, I'm a Great Outdoors huge fan, but that's just because I haven't seen Uncle Buck as much as Great Outdoors. I lied early.
1: Yeah, and there's Planes Trains, too. Planes Trains has got so many great one-liners from him, too. That's I
2: just, uh, Joey, I just learned that that movie, I just saw a thing about it, that that movie is a PG movie through the entire movie, but the reason why it's rated R is simply because Steve Martin says the word fuck like 15 times in one, one scene. scene. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole reason the movie's rated R. Everything else is a strictly PG movie. Isn't that cool?
3: Imagine the, is it? <laughs> in the studio over that, like, like how much tension over that one.
1: <laughs> I was gonna yep. say, is that the most expensive bit of all time? Thinking about what that probably cost them in terms of excessive, seriously, from PG to R. Yeah,
2: yeah. Can't send kids to the movie. Can't send any teenagers. That's crazy. By the way, another winner product placement in this movie. Pepsi has got a huge product placement. American uh, uh,
0: Airlines.
2: American all Airlines right. all over the place everywhere in this movie god those two must have uh paid a pretty penny for this uh Tic Tacs because my secret favorite scene and winner of this movie is Santa Claus and the elf the two of them are magical that guy keeps it completely grounded when he's like hurry up kid! Santa's gotta go and he's gotta go do what like gamble or something yeah, he's got, no he's,
0: he's going uh he's going to a party or a get together or something that he says something like that I gotta get he's- together
2: He's magical when he puts the final three tic-tacs. He says, "Um, I wrote the quote down. Where is it? He says, because Santa's elf took the last of the candy canes home to her boyfriend. <laughs> 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 that scene is, and then when his car doesn't start and it's the biggest piece of shit ever, that guy, that is a winner. Beautiful moment. And then like How'd Joel you- <laughs> said, the magic is that it's followed up with the fantastic performance by the old man. That totally makes you cry.
1: Yeah, so they say Chris Farley auditioned for that role as Santa, but I think they got it I think they got it right there on that one. I am imagining the deadbeat uh, boyfriend on the couch like strumming an acoustic guitar, yeah. trying to like figure out chords and they're like, Baby, you "Give me candy some candy canes!" <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um Dan, let's hit some losers. Give me some losers.
0: Uh Buzz's uh uh bookshelf. Oh yeah.
2: Takes a shitter. That's Buzz- a lot of Buzz- construction.
0: cream. Buzz's girlfriend. Woof
1: um who's a man by the way that is a man what yeah so chris chris columbus they love the joke so much that they thought it would be really cruel to cast a woman or a young lady and then obviously like subject her to like a complete just evisceration of her looks. so that's actually a boy and he's related to someone in like the production crew
3: which scene are we talking about
1: buzz's girlfriend woof when
2: he looks at the picture of buzz's girlfriend that's that's like it's like it's like an 11 year old boy Dan, another loss, Buzz's life savings, because it's all Buzz's money.
0: all gone. It's all gone. Uh, the, store, uh, the story that Kevin shoplifts from. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, here's here's a here's a winner. Sorry to, to go back. But the lake that everybody's ice skating on and also playing hockey on at the same time that people are. Did you guys notice that? There's so many there's people having a full-on game of hockey while there's people like doing triple Luxes and shit like that.
1: <laughs> We knew how to give each other space in the '90s. Um, uh, uh, Joel, Joel, give us some losers. Who's the big losers in Home Alone here?
3: My, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Again, didn't make me laugh. I didn't get the joke when I was twelve. When he's like, for three reasons: one, B, and D, or or or, 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 or and fourth, or wh- wh- whatever his his list is. It's just it's the most nonsensical. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Um, other losers. Um, uh, oh boy, micro machines. I brought them up before. I'm just gonna have to buy some new micro machines.
1: <laughs> yeah, I kind of had, I kind of had that down as as a winner. Um, uh, and Joel and Jeff, you know, big loser in this movie,
2: parenting. Oh, um, I, that's my what I've got written down right here. Uh, another loser, by the way, flying standby a of the holidays does not mm-hmm. seem to be something that can ever happen. Um uh hands down Joey the biggest loser to me, no question, is the uncle. Does anybody remember his name? Uncle the guy Frank? Uncle Frank. Cheap Uncle Frank. He's magical with his cheapness. He's magical when he ma- when he's the sterling silver on flying first class. Look what you did, you little jerk, he says to him in front of the family. Nobody objects about that. If someone called my child a little jerk, I would get nose to nose and be like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> who you are to me i will fucking end you if you speak like that to my child again nobody says a word a word uh uh if it oh oh when catherine o'hara is in shock he says if it makes you feel any better i forgot my reading glasses just a magical line he is by far the biggest winner and loser of this movie to me phenomenal performance what an 80s to 90s piece of shit he is
1: (laughs) frank can you pay for the pizza just traveler's checks classic frank uh, I I put on there um that front thing in the front of the house the thing that keeps getting knocked over uh that's a huge loser that thing never makes great bit a great running bit uh the electric company uh just in general kind of puts this whole little thing in motion here uh the fear of packing a suitcase uh a prepubescent incontinence uh forcing to drink milk to get rid of it. Somehow, randomly, Buzz's room has a Jordan poster and an Isaiah Thomas poster in the same
3: room. How's that possible? Call, this is 1990, on that. man. That's,
2: were, that's ridiculous. They hate each other. Don't forget Michael Jordan. Don't remember that when the when the Bulls walked or when the uh, uh Pistons walked <laughs> off and didn't high five them? They hated them. Still hate each other. Yes. Yeah, no. Still, still, hate to, this no,
1: still <laughs> to this day. No. Still to this day. That's the ultimate, the ultimate troll move. Um, I also have the macaroni and cheese out there. I'm sorry. That for movie food. That macaroni and cheese looks so damn good. And he's about to cut it with a fork and a knife, which doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I'm I'm here to give it a little bit of slack. And he doesn't take a bite, not one single bite, before he completely ruins and destroys Harry and Marv. Another big uh, uh, loser with CTE. And then Joel, another big loser,
2: snakes. (laughs) You said CTE. (laughs) because he's what because marv and harry have been concussed what eight times in a single evening you know when they talk about those close together those close together concussions we're we're learning about now
0: you can make make the case that cta is actually the winner of the movie and not a loser in the movie
3: let's let's not forget that this is followed up a year later when daniel stern takes I don't know, seven or eight bricks from four stories above right in the head over and over and over. Then falls three stories, not to his death, only to get up and be electrocuted for yeah. like straight seconds.
2: You get an iron dropped on you from anywhere above one inch. You are out.
3: <laughs> That's it. Um, sorry. Sorry. I need to back. Uh, we didn't finish Winners. I didn't notice this as a kid. John Williams scored this
0: movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The beautiful goat. the goat it starts out so beautifully too because it's this it's this christmas melody with this like minor yeah. underneath of it like this little haunty sort of john yeah. underneath it that sets the tone for this
1: movie so perfectly
2: and you know we all cried at the end that's a beautiful with the music playing it's beautiful
1: yeah. oh well, yeah when uh, when marley hugs his little daughter and uh, you know, Like sees them in there and does the whole thing. You're like, man, let's fucking do Christmas. Can we do Christmas right now.
3: A tradition in our house. Now we started this three years ago. We watch this every after we finish dishes for Thanksgiving. We watch this Thanksgiving night. It's what kicks off the holidays for us. Uh, I like wow. it.
2: And if I could just say what my if we could if you don't mind, Joey, what our Christmas movies are. Mine's yeah. a little shocking. It's it's just friends. Have you ever seen Just Friends before?
1: Oh, my yeah. wife loves that movie. Mara I mean,
2: adores, Ryan Reynolds is great. Ryan yeah. Reynolds is magic Anna Ferris in that movie that is our Christmas movie in my house we watch it smiles
1: the end credits
0: the end credits on that is one of the funniest end credits I've ever seen It's just him being fucking hilarious with
2: Ryan Reynolds in the ambulance with the two of them uh, starting to with Amy smart and uh, Chris Klein over him and he's just caught in the middle and uh, right at the end a a little thing shoots out and hits him in the nuts it's maybe my favorite nut joke of all time.
1: Yeah, no, uh, maybe one of the last big winners is um I I love fake movies in a movie. Oh. I love fake TV shows in a movie. I love <laughs> fake bands <laughs> in a movie. And I think this might be one of the better more classic iconic versions of a fake movie in a movie. Is there a better I think this might be the best.
3: Oh, this is probably the best. What is the uh, "We're No Angels"? What what? No, Angels, because... Angels with filthy souls. Angels. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to make a short film noir. Like, I can't believe they like, never like did. A Thirty minute extended version of, of "Angels with No
0: Souls." I'm sure somebody has done that. Somebody has to have had that.
2: Is there a better one? I can't think of any one. Maybe "How I Met no. Your Mother" when she's like the former band, uh, the Canadian lead singer of a band, is something brilliant. That's that was great, pretty but...
1: funny. What pops in my head is something like Tropic Thunder really plays along with like what the the the, the shitty a shitty movie is. Oh uh, when he went full movie. R? When he went full yeah, R. Yeah. yeah, when he went full when he went full R. <laughs> <laughs> um, so guys, we gotta get out of here on this. Um, you know, it's the big question. It's what we all want to know. I don't think it's fair to categorize this as is the best is this the is Home Alone the best John Hughes movie of all time. But I will put it out there. Is it your favorite Christmas movie of all time? And if it isn't, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Dan, do you want to go first?
0: Uh, yeah, sure. It's I don't think it's my favorite Christmas movie. I mean, I I still think just because of nostalgia's sake that It's A Wonderful Life is is still my favorite Christmas movie. It I, you know, it was something that was played every single Christmas. My it's my mom's favorite. Um so yeah, that's probably it. I I'll be honest, I think there's some other Christmas movies that are probably above Home Alone, but I will say, I mean, you and you and I, Joey, were Kevin McAllister's age when this came out, you know, we were, we, he was eight, we, I was seven, you were about to turn seven. Yep. Uh, so like, this was a seminal movie in my life, I I very much identified with, you know, this, this movie um i was left on my 13th birthday
1: well, you, you got over it and after
0: yeah six you're fine weeks, you
2: started talking again You know, come on eh, don't, kids, be the so, the don't be so don't be such a jerk and don't be so stupid you moron you're fine <laughs>
0: so, um but you know i think like i've i watched die hard on christmas and you know i there's some there's some other great there's some great christmas movies out there
3: it's been one of my favorites the longest but as an adult no i'm 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 a I would say Love Actually is my favorite. I think It's a Wonderful Life is the best, and I would say this has the long, the the most longevity in in, in my life. I mean, it's it's always been up there from twelve until you know Love Actually came out twenty years ago. As an, I was an adult, but I I'm a Love Actually sucker. I will say though, Elf is right up there.
1: It's 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 gaining steam, right? It's rising up the charts year oh, yeah. after year.
3: Really I watched good. that again the other night with my son and like it doesn't, the jokes don't get old. They do not yeah. get old.
1: Also, it gets me going right here in the eyes towards the end. I get a little, yeah. I get a little emotional now when that little, the little blonde girl starts singing the uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. I'm just like, yeah. I don't know kind of get split in half a little bit.
2: I got two shocking things to say. One, Love Actually, I'm finally out on because we used to watch that movie every year for years, Joel. And eventually the infidelity sequence really does put a real wet damper on that entire movie. Like, it is just such strong... Like, a couple's life is really ripped apart in that movie. And uh, I just, you know, after a while, I'm like, this just doesn't make me happy anymore. And two, I have never seen Elf. (gasps) Oh! Yes. This is the year. This I'm is
0: wait, Jeff, Do it. I, this is the year, I Jeff.
2: Don't, I don't know. I know, guys. I, I do. I think Will Ferrell is an absolute genius, and I've watched everything he's done except for Elf. I, I, I even watched the Will Ferrell movie that he did all in Spanish. Do you ever see that one where he just did El, the, el
1: Padre, <laughs> Padre de Papel?
2: Yeah, yeah. Wow,
1: uh, dude, you have to do Elf, Elf. Uh, dude, I'm, I'm gonna weigh in, guys. I, I'm, I'm in the minority on this one. This is. My favorite Christmas movie. Um, I grew up obviously with "It's a Wonderful Life." I grew up with "White Christmas," "Miracle on 34th Street." Obviously, I love uh, I love Die Hard. I love Die Hard two even more. Actually, that's more of a Christmas movie to me, really, than anything. But no, look for me, Home Alone. It obviously has a lot of easy things for me to access, right? Like it literally. Again, I mentioned this with John Hughes movies. It's such a weird experience being spoiled when all these movies basically are the backdrops of your hometown. Right. And you go and see a movie and the magic of movie making and you realize that the streets and everything look the same. You know what I mean? And it really kind of makes me think, too, like, you know, it really it is a special thing. I think when we branch out and we do try and show different neighborhoods and different locales and backgrounds with all the different kinds of movies and TVs that we do, because all these little kids need to see that. Hey, like this movie could exist in my backyard. I think everyone kind of at least deserves that chance. No matter what, watching a show, and man, I don't know. For me, Home Alone, there's Michael Jordan in it. As you mentioned, Dan Macaulay Culkin is the same age as me, and man, it just, it's just fun. It's got the right amount of laughs. As I get older, I appreciate the acting of the cast even more, and it rounds out in a very beautiful Christmas way. And the snow looks great in it. So I don't know, man. For me, I think it's, I think it's my favorite Christmas movie.
2: Joey, I'm, I'm, I have a big question for you here. We have done a lot of pods with you over the years now, talking about Chicago movies. Where does it rank all time for Chicago movies for you then? Because it's pretty significant. Ooh, it dude, it's up there. I gotta tell you, man. Fugitive. Fugitive, Fugitive still number one. Aww. nothing,
1: nothing makes me feel like Chicago than the Fugitive. And yeah. we've done I've done this bit before, but everything in the Fugitive, they all look freezing. It's all perpetually gray and cold with these beautiful buildings across this incredible skyline at night, and they're on the train and they're they're in the city. It just embodies Chicago to me. Home Alone probably I mean, and even I don't know, Ferris Bueller probably is more of a my neighborhood kind of movie. When they start in those suburbs, I'm from that area too as well. Um so yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's right up there. But it's my You're favorite right Christmas
2: about fugitive though. I don't know a single other hospital in America, but I know Cook County Hospital. You know, CH like,
1: baby. We're, yeah. we're cut we're eating oranges and we're making fake candies.
3: <laughs> I mean, risky uh,
2: business has to be tops yeah. for me, of course, but
3: I've seen that movie no less than fifty times, and it's just as good as the first time I've
1: seen it. And it's good. It's good for any time of year, any season. Yeah, Fugitives amazing. You know, Home Alone. I'm not going to watch the Home Alone. I'm not going to watch Home Alone in the summer, right? This is when I watch it, and this is why we're doing the pod. And hopefully, after people listen to this pod, maybe they go and say, "Oh, I haven't watched Home Alone in a while. Let's rock it and let's do it." And after that. We'll watch Predator 2. we got to get out of here. we got to get out of here. This was the 1990 film Home Alone. Thank you so much for joining us here on Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much to my beautiful panel, Joel Johnstone, Jeff Meacham, Dan Sanders-Joyce. Happy and Happiness and health to you and yours during this holiday season, gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming on. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. 100% welcome bonus. What? If you use promo code believe, BLEAV right now at BetOnline.ag with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, how can you say no to that kind of deal be well be safe please be good to each other thank you so much for checking out this pod and we will be back soon remember when in doubt always bet on chicago
2: thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube